0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. With technology failing, smoldering at my feet, the new overpriced mesh Wi-Fi apparatus coughing like a decades-old dot matrix printer, I have finally succeeded in achieving a tenuous connection to the Internet, enabling us to bring you this week's podcast. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is August 2nd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins us from the Houston outpost with breaking news. I got breaking news. And the news is that football is back, baby.
0: ( función) Football is back. And it's time to place your bets. It's time to place your bets. Get them in while you can. Bet Online.ag has all the action. NHL is back. Damn it. The Penguins went down in game one. Let's bet on them to make that comeback in game two. NBA is back. And more importantly, NFL right around the corner here with the real games. Uh, bet Online is the place to go. So if you're going to make some scoots, if you're going to add some action to the action, do so on betonline.ag because that is the official uh, betting sponsor of the Steelers Outpost part podcast and the Armchair All-Americans Network as a whole. So visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, ching, ching, your online wagering experts.
1: I don't want to make this the COVID connection sure. podcast, but... I mean, it's relevant and it's impacting teams. And I guess this is the late news that I was referring to at the top of the show. Mm hmm. So um, why don't we just get to it? I mean, go. We lost James Washington
0: to COVID. No, James Washington, Jalen Samuels, uh, first two guys for the Steelers reported um, to be. Put on the injured reserve due to COVID. I know Matthew Stafford got put on the list for COVID. So long story short, we're going around the league. We're going to see some of these players get it. Uh, I agree with you. I think that maybe I went a little hard in the past few weeks on the COVID talk and everything like that. But honestly, it's an absolutely bizarre circumstance that will frame this season. We've never seen anything like it. So it is news. I do expect it to affect the season, especially when you compare MLB and how they've had a little bit more um, lax approach, uh, an approach a little bit more similar to what the NFL has compared to the NHL and NBA, who are doing bubble concepts. Of course, those leagues and those teams have uh, far fewer numbers of people to to be able to bubble, so it's a little bit easier for them. But the NBA and the NHL having zero confirmed COVID cases, at least for a two-week stretch, was a big victory. And we've seen what's happened to baseball um, with, with people going down. So some of these guys getting COVID early, it's to be expected. Um, we will try not to bog down the episodes with this kind of stuff because obviously it's here, but we're getting started. We got to cover it. Uh, James Washington, I mean, COVID has uh, has no chance against his farmer strength. and And Samuels, that one's more interesting because... There are some new faces in the backfield, and it is a competitive backfield. Steelers signed Wendell Smallwood from the Eagles. He was on the Eagles team during that Super Bowl run, I believe. They signed him this, uh, this past week as some competition, and this might get Jalen Samuels behind the eight ball in terms of being able to make the team.
1: Well, let me just rewind a couple of things I did want to say about COVID. So Washington and Samuels are on this list, on the COVID-19 list. I don't know if you knew this, but Justin Lane, and Aryan Springs, one of our XFL picks up, pickups, right, were the first right. two guys on that list. So this list means you were either tested positive, or it's known that you came in contact with somebody who had COVID nineteen. If you, if you're tested and you're asymptomatic, they can return you to the team in ten days. So that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean they have it.
0: Oh, it's a ten day it's a ten day wait at minimum. So that's that. That sucks for those two guys. You know, for a veteran, it might be okay, but Washington is really going to need the time to work up the chemistry with Ben. I mean, obviously, Washington isn't just going to make the team. He should figure to be a, you know, a big part of the offense in some way this year. But, man, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to develop the chemistry with Ben over the course of a full season or really any season at all. Uh, So that sucks for him. And then Samuels, I wasn't insinuating that Smallwood would be a guy to make the roster over Samuels. But, you know, in the bottom of that roster, you got Samuels, Kareth White. We, of course, are the official Kareth White podcast of the United States of America. Uh, Smallwood being in there as well. That really sucks for those two guys. If they're going to miss 10 days, that's behind the eight ball.
1: So just just to finish what the, the sort of the operating parameters are. So the NFL is going to force the players to decide whether they're going to play in 2020, unlike Major League Baseball, where guys are deciding, you know, after a few games, whether they will or not. And I think the deadline, well, they haven't set the deadline as of this podcast, but I think it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday of, of next week when the decision has to be made. Gotcha. When I looked at the list, and this is now outdated, there were 38 players who had opted out. I just broke it down out of interest so out of the 38 guys when i looked at the list this morning of who opted out 14 were offensive linemen and i'm counting two tight ends in that calculus just to try to test a hypothesis i have here so 14 were offensive linemen 10 were defensive linemen five were wide receivers just trying to see if there's some sort of pattern i'm not sure if that says anything whether these guys feel more at risk than other players do the team with the most players who have opted out, you mentioned, at the time I looked at it, it, was seven, so they're at eight now.
0: The New England Patriots tight end Matt LaCrosse, so add another one to your tight end offensive line group, he just opted out today. I guess maybe some guys were planning on going to training camp and seeing what it felt like. Maybe that's the explanation, because like you said, there wasn't a deadline, There, there isn't currently a deadline yet. Um, so, yeah, he's out, and we assume... That it must be some sort of plot by Bill Belichick to do only God knows what. Who knows what he's doing? But eight Patriots players have opted out, include and a, a, quite a few of them are starters as well. So that's a, you know what's hilarious is the fact that it it makes me think they're going to be better. Like what, what's going on here? Is there some secret agent thing going on? If if there's eight now the Patriots, there must be a reason, right? But damn, you can only take so many hits.
1: What's mildly surprising to me is James Conner hasn't opted out, and given his medical history, you know, he he had cancer treatment. He may be immunocompromised. And I don't know if that's still the case and how long that lasts with you over the course of your life, but who could blame him if he sat this out? Let me try to frame out what training camp's going to look like Is maybe that 10-day loss of Washington isn't as bad as it normally would be. From August 3rd until the 11th, players, this is going to be an acclimation period. Players can have 60 minutes in the weight room and 60 minutes of on-field conditioning, but they cannot be tested for conditioning during that period. They can have a 60-minute walkthrough on each of the four days, and uh, August 8th is a mandatory off day. Then they go into phase two, August 12th through the 16th, and they can have practices that start at 90 minutes, increasing by 15 minutes a day until they get up to a maximum of two hours a day. So the rule is that the players are allowed to be on the field up to three and a half hours daily. So the rest of the time, you know, practices can be two hours, and then the rest of it would be walkthroughs. They don't start wearing their helmets until the 12th or 13th, and then they can put on their helmets and their shells on the 14th and 16th. So you see, it's a long way out there. It's two weeks out there before the kind of practice that, you you know, where, where they're going to, I guess— I'm not sure if walkthroughs would constitute trying to get into a rhythm, but they're really going to get live action two weeks from now.
0: The, you're going to miss the preseason games, which is obviously another padded interaction, if you will. But those are really more for the starters to knock off some rust and see what it feels like to trot on the field in front of huh, – hmm, usually in front of fans or at least people watching on TV to play – to hit some other guys in a different jersey, feel what it's like to have the play clock. You don't have coaches uh, helping you out, yelling at you in your ear, yelling where you need to be on a practice field. You know, it's more like a dress rehearsal. It's exactly a dress rehearsal for those starters, but some of those backup players or the undrafted free agents, they're going to have no chance this year because the games were the biggest opportunity for those guys to make their mark. So you definitely lose those as far as the padded stuff goes, but... Let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, teams are able to weather the, weather the storm because Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are famously one of the very, very most physical teams when it comes to preseason practices. They're people who express legitimate shock when they go uh, to Tomlin's camp. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tomlin was waking them up in the middle of the night, a la Remember the Titans, and just having them hit each other in the hallways or something because uh, you got to find a way to toughen these dudes up. But you got to find a way to toughen them up without having people tear ligaments,
1: and so on and so forth. Let's talk, about, let's talk about somebody you mentioned before, Wendell Smallwood. He's a mountaineer, former mountaineer, right. seventh running back in camp. What are they doing?
0: They're preparing for running backs going down to COVID, so it looks like it was the perfect signing <laughs> because Jalen's out. <laughs> Listen, here's how I've always felt Seems like felt a lot about. of running backs. Uh, it does seem like a lot of running backs. I wonder if they're doing that because of – the COVID things, but you're right. It's not a thin position, Uh, but you get an opportunity to bring in a veteran guy who's played meaningful snaps. I mean, he was relatively famous when he played for the Eagles. He wasn't the number one guy, but he got in some big games. I just, you know, I hate to say this about a Steeler. I guess he's not a Steeler yet until he's on the active game day roster, but I don't, I don't feel good about a running back named Smallwood. Bigwood, Wendell Bigwood. Sure. Smallwood. I don't know about your chances, but it looks like it was the right signing because Jalen Samuels, who's a very similar version of what Wendell Smallwood brings, um, sort of a pass catcher but not a fast guy, not a great blocker, nothing like that. Uh, They're kind of little clones of each other, but it's not a big signing, Um, but they did sign him. We'll see if he makes the team. Doubt it.
1: They also picked up a a 50-year safety, Curtis Riley. Recently the Raiders, but previously with the Giants. Right. Does that, uh, yeah,
0: does that they, change things for you? Oh, yeah, it really changes it. We, we were all dumb for downing the Steelers and their plan at safety, and now they got Curtis Riley. Talk about household names. I'm, I'm kidding. He has a pretty bad reputation with the Giants and Raiders fans and with some of the scouts, apparently pretty brutal in coverage and also struggles with tackling. So I guess he's a guy. At least he's played. Yeah, he started the pr- a whole season before, so he has some experience when it comes to the backup role. We'll see what happens with him as well. But we know that that's one of the least deep positions on the team. So at least they brought in somebody.
1: That uh, lack of tackling ability would have fit our product <laughs> would have been prototypical three years ago. He would have been
0: perfect. We were three years too late. He missed. <laughs> yeah, he missed his opportunity.
1: Yeah, if I could have, I would have taken the shears to that defense three years ago.
0: Damn, I would have as well. Now, the lucky part about that is you can take the shears to whatever the hell you want when it comes to manscaping, thanks to Manscaped, because you don't need a shearing license to operate these precision tools for your family jewels. I'm talking about Manscaped, people. I've told you once. I've told you twice. I'll tell you again. Manscaped is a game changer. Manscaped reminds me of, like, when Skype came out. I remember as a little kid watching, you know, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century or uh, whatever other, you know, futuristic movies were on and thinking that would be insane if you could make a phone call to somebody but see them on a television screen and then Skype came out. That's how I feel about Manscaped because I'm not going to go into the details of why you need to keep it clean, keep it right, keep it tight down there, look good. Feel good. Feel good. Play good. Play good. Make money. Manscaped, it's impossible to injure yourself during this process. Like, legitimately. I don't know how they did that. I'm not a scientist, but that's kind of the sticking point. Let alone they also got oils. They got non-chafing cream. They got deodorants. They got everything that you need. And if you get the full package, it comes in a beautiful leather-bound case. So, and if by case, I mean it's more of a more of a satchel you know what i'm talking about but check it out i i honestly use manscaped it's phenomenal and you get 20 off and free shipping if you use the code armchair at manscaped.com that's 20 off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair
1: you know culturally it's just not my generation maybe there's some guys i don't want to speak for all guys at my age but i bet not many of them are uh Manscaping. We've we manscaped north to south, not south that's right. right.
0: That's right. Well, you know, in, in your defense, the, apparently the women didn't uh, womenscape uh, back in those times either, but times have changed, and I bet that they're going to change even more. And if I were going to bet on them, I would bet at betonline.ag. I already told you, NFL's coming back up, let's get action on the action and, and uh, yeah, it's really easy to use. They got NBA. NFL, UFC, they have simulated games going on. We can take prop bets. How many more Patriots are going to opt out of this thing? How many more uh, boys is Tom Brady going to kiss before somebody stops him? They got all the props there. And it's a good way to support Armchair and the Steelers Outpost podcast. So go to betonline.ag. Your online
1: wagering experts. Mensa member Bart Scott former Ravens linebacker, had a comment, and for some reason somebody quoted him and put it on the internet. He Hmm. said, Troy Palomalo is going to the Hall of Fame, and he's very deserving of going to the Hall of Fame. But to mention Troy Palomalo in the same breath as Ed Reed, to me, it's disrespectful. It's true. Disrespectful.
0: Well, it's true. Ed Reed, you know, he's barely even a man. I mean... He was great, you know, catching the ball, not tackling people. He shouldn't be mentioned in the same glorious breath of Troy Palomalo. And, yeah, Ed Reed should go to the Hall of Fame, but he's no Troy Palomalo, and I think that it's clear that that's what Bart Scott meant, right? I think this is, uh, it's funny. So he was on Adam Lefko's podcast, and Bart Scott, he's hilarious. He is the guy. Who played for the Ravens. So, by the way, that's why this is a non-story. Oh, you're telling me the linebacker who played with Ed Reed doesn't like Troy Polamalu, the guy who broke the Ravens' spirit time and time again in the playoffs and the regular season? Okay, I got it. But Bart Scott is hilarious. He played for the Ravens then played for the Jets. And the week before the Steelmen played the Jets in the AFC Championship game, the Jets had a... I guess they had beat the Patriots like the week prior. Thank you, Jets. And... He got interviewed when he was coming off the field, and somebody asked him, are you excited to see Pittsburgh next week? He says, can't wait, can't wait, and one of the greatest post-game interviews in history, so i got to give him credit for that. So actually, the interview with Lefko is is pretty awesome. Uh, He's well-spoken, Bart Scott. He's outspoken and kind of exactly what you would think for a linebacker on those Ravens defenses. He totally fits the mold. Everybody – I'm just surprised it's getting as much air time as it is because it's a pretty well-known fact that Troy and Ed don't play the same position. I think that uh, Vince Williams put it most succinctly and most accurately in his tweet saying that why would you compare those two guys? They don't play similar positions at all. You wouldn't compare an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker just because they have the word linebacker in their names.
1: I think Bart Starr is better than Bart Scott.
0: I think Bart Simpson's better than Bart Scott. What do we think about that? B- Bart Ke- <laughs> what, what was that?
1: I was going to move on because that's this conversation. Since there is no more time.
0: No, I, well, I agree with you. the The conversation itself is no more time. It is ridiculous. They played two completely different positions, but it is kind of an interesting discussion in terms of how you use safeties, and it made me think of something I hadn't thought of before. So. I think Ed Reed probably has, like, twice as many interceptions as as Troy did, but Troy has, you know, twice as many tackles for a loss and and forced fumbles and so on and so forth because that was Troy's job. And Bart Scott pointed out that the Steelers play a zone-based defense. So he's playing... Troy's playing seam flat, so he's watching out for anything in the flat, or he'll carry somebody up the seam downfield if they go down the middle of the field, and that's when he'll take the man-to-man. Whereas Ed Reed played in the Ravens man-free system, so Ed Reed, the ultimate center fielder of all time. And of course, we're all Steelers fans here, we can admit. It, it was amazing the day that he left the Ravens, because it was so annoying playing against this man, because you just cannot throw the ball. He would grab it if it was in the air. Um, but that's what Troy was asked to do, and that's what he was best at was roaming around, making plays near the line of scrimmage, but sometimes people uh, sort of reduce it to, like, oh, he was an around-the-line-of-scrimmage guy. Like, what are you talking about? All of his most famous plays are athletic interceptions that he usually would return for touchdowns. So if you had seen Troy Polamalu play free safety, which I never thought about, because why would you need to think about it, he'd <laughs> He did pretty damn well at his job. But Troy Palomalu, one of the fastest players on the field, I mean, just popped off the screen. Maybe some of the best instincts in, in the history of the game of football. We all know his famous plays of timing the snap count, jumping over the line of scrimmage. We all know the famous stories of him playing outside of structure. Uh, Dick LeBeau's famous quote about uh, Troy, when he was asked, like, what did you do to make Troy better? He said, what did I do? I stayed out of his way is what I did. R- Ryan Clark will say the same thing. So we all know he has unbelievable instincts. He has unbelievable speed and range. We saw his closing speed. There's so many famous examples of that. I'd say maybe the best one is when Chris Johnson, probably the fastest running back in history, tried to round around the corner in week one in his own end zone, and Troy Palmolo was launched out of a freaking nuclear, nuclear – <laughs> whoops, missile silo, boom, takes him down in the open field. So, okay, elite instincts, elite speed, not just fast, elite speed, and then elite hands. The the interceptions he make, again, against the Titans, the famous one-handed interception, the famous one-handed interception in the snow against the Chargers, uh, all the pick sixes against the Ravens, and the Bengals, high point in the ball, catching it already, running at full speed. He has, if, they had, if the Steelers had played him at free safety, he has every quality where he probably would have gotten way closer to that Ed Reed interception number that everyone is so obsessed with. And deservedly so, because Ed Reed is the best free safety of all time. But I do find it interesting, and I'm not saying Troy would have the same number of interceptions as Ed, but they'd be astronomically higher if that was Troy's job. But Troy played the job that he had to play to win more Super Bowls than Ed Reed won. So I think it worked out very well.
1: Last week, we talked about the Madden ratings. Yes. We have Now we have a new set <laughs> of artificial ratings out to talk about. The twop, top 100 players of 2020. And the Steelers show up on it four times. Actually, three times with an honorable mention. I'm not sure why they, they do list the guys man. that are. <laughs> yeah, so... At 102 is Marquise Pouncey. I I was actually surprised. If you're just going to snub the Steelers, that's not the guy I'd rate from the offensive line at this point. I mean, he's sort of riding on reputation, don't you think?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Marquise is still really good, uh, but it is sort of accepted that he's not the dominant center, you know, top five, you know, center that he once was. I don't give a crap. He's the top one badass in the league, so who cares? kicked miles garrett in the head don't know if you remember that so who made it minka tj and cam
1: right right so So, tj was listed at 25 he's up from number 93 the previous year minka's at 35 his first year on the on the list Mm -hmm. cam at 84 up a full four places from (laughs) Mm -hmm. 88 the year before
0: so just for context, everybody, the players vote on this list, so they are given a ballot around week eight of the season, okay? So keep in mind, Patrick Mahomes got number four on this list, if it just shows you the credibility of this thing. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, was injured at the time. <laughs> sure, it would have been voted differently upon if that Super Bowl and the billion dollars had come in, right? But... The thing with NFL players is everybody assumes that NFL players are experts on football. They're not. <laughs> some of them are. But some of these guys, they they are this is just a job that they're really good at. They're not spending their time breaking down film of other teams that they don't play. They have way too much to worry about about the professional athlete that they have to contend with that week. So they're watching film for their current opponents. They know really well the guys on their team – Oftentimes, when the top 100 list goes around, players will use their social media to tweet or Instagram out like their list, and, you, and they'll do it like without their name on there. But you can always tell who wrote the list because they put the, all their teammates in the top 10. You know, so this list is really just a popularity contest, and that's why a lot of big famous names get higher on the list, like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or a Marquise Pouncey. Who, by the way, like you mentioned, we didn't hear David DeCastro's name in there right? And DeCastro is probably dead even with or very close to even with Cam, TJ, and Minka as really the the four premier players on the Steelers at this point. Till Benny comes back, baby. And uh, so that shows you why Marquise even goes above him. So the list doesn't mean anything we can say but it's awesome. These Madden rankings and the NFL Top 100 list it's awesome because the players care a lot and they know that it doesn't matter either and How how would you feel if the players didn't care? Like, I love that they care. I love that they get fired up about this stuff. The list itself sucks. It's an absolute piece of garbage. Cam Hayward, like we've talked about, he's a consensus top three or four interior lineman in the league. And to be in the 80s is just reflective of this weird thing where... Steelers players don't have any problem getting famous and popular over the years, right? We know that. Obviously, the the bees, even you know Juju, who wasn't nearly as dominant as those guys. He's big, Shazier, famous pouncy, famous players abound, right? All those defensive guys. But something about Cam Hayward, just he can't get famous. I don't know if it was because he played on all those terrible Steelers defenses where he was the one lone bright spot, or because he's a responsible guy <laughs> who doesn't make headlines. But he will just never get the respect he deserves, and I think maybe before the season starts, you and I should work on an all-time underrated Steelers list because that might be the number one guy. Like this is a legitimate Hall of Fame player who might not make the Hall of Fame just because of a popularity thing. Uh, The other good thing about the top 100 is the production value is actually pretty phenomenal. So when you watch the videos, the guys from like 100 to 50 or 100 to 30, they get like a two-minute cut-up of some of their best plays. Some of the mic'd-up segments are incorporated, and then they do interviews of players from their team but also from opposing teams. So you get a chance to hear – Players from other teams sort of gush about your favorite players or about players that you like. And you get this perspective of TJ Watt outside of the Steelers' building. So I don't remember who they interviewed. as a Browns or a Bengals guy. I think it was a Browns tackle. And they kind of broke down what's so annoying about TJ Watt's pass rushing moves. And it was a cool breakdown that we as Steelers fans, I mean, you know, as a podcast who analyzes the Steelers, we've talked about it tj's moves plenty but it's a different angle to have it uh, come from a guy who has to contend with this like this bat move that he does that tj does with his hands keeps me up at night is a cool way to get it and it's just it's shot well because it's got the nfl's budget uh the music is done well the cuts are great and it's just a nice theatrical piece of football there and then once you get like into the top 10 or you know 30 to 10 they start to become five minute videos and it's kind of a cool little piece of history for that player obviously I love the ones whenever you get the Steelers guys on there so yes it is in no way even borderline accurate to the rating the rankings of these guys in real life but it does create fun discussion and they are fun to watch so if you ignore the ranking of the players it is a good way to learn about guys and a good way just to have football content while we're waiting for these games to start
1: Who's in the best position to rank players? If you have a list legitimate list, list like this, coaches, yeah, press,
0: yeah, probably not the press. I would say the coaches, and then there is a segment of press. You know, you talk about the draft network or guys who have now found this cottage industry of strictly scouting people, and they'll do they'll scout the college guys, you know, for the draft network, but they also scout out and and, and rate the um, uh, the pro guys. And, you know, PFF is an interesting one because they have – they're generally accurate. They know who's good and who's not good, but they do have some weird aberrations where some players are ranked better than they might be and then some players are ranked worse than they might be. But maybe you'd consult people like that who are really watching every single team because you need the context of other players, right? This is why every fan base – On um, Twitter gets furious When their quarterback isn't ranked in the top 10 Or their receiver isn't ranked in the top 10 When Devontae Adams got pissed off At Chris Sims' top 10 receiver list Like basically doing a laughing emoji And saying like everyone give Chris Sims The attention he wanted For leaving Devontae off the top 10 And Packers fans are furious And you look at the top 10 And it's like okay Devontae, I mean he doesn't even belong In the same universe as the top 5 But the next 5 after that It's like it, it's a it's a toss up. Like, sure, Devonte could deserve to be in the top ten, but in no universe is it a travesty that he was left off. This isn't leaving Julio Jones off the top ten. But you see, all the Packers fans, they have all these memories of how freaking good Devonte Adams is because he's awesome, but they don't watch Mike Evans. They don't watch New Hopkins. They didn't watch Antonio Brown, so they only have the reference of how good their guy is when they don't realize, you know, there's another guy in the league who does this, but even better. So you need people who have perspective, people who understand when they watch the film, they have to be able to decipher what the player's responsibilities are, especially when you're talking about defense, right? Or does this this guy catch a lot of passes in man coverage or does he get schemed open like you talk about Julian Edelman a phenomenal receiver but you can't sign Julian Edelman as a number one receiver and tell him oh yeah you have to play outside now and you're gonna get one-on-ones you don't get any more of those pick plays and those rub plays that you like so much um You have to be able to decipher how is the player in comparison to the rest of the players at his position, and then what is he being asked to do, and who is he doing it against. So yeah, people who watch the film, not just players who have enough on their plate to worry about with the guy they have next week. But some players are, of course, better at this than others, and they give some of the most fun insights because, of course, they know the nuances of their position, their professionals and the nuances of the position they go against, you know, corners, no receiver as well, right? <clears throat> Defensive lineman, no offensive lineman, well. And they have these personalities to be able to speak about it. And a lot of these guys that they pick the interviews, they're funny. They got these senses of humor and some humility you see from some guys in the NFL, which is sort of a nice little change of pace to be like, I could not handle this guy. This guy kept me up at night. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's good natured.
1: I have a test for you. Please. I'm going to make it a little bit easier because I'm going to limit it to Steelers. So I'm going to read mm. you a quote, and I want you to guess who said it. Okay. I believe I will be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Brian Switzer. I have no... <laughs> Don't you want to wait for the end of it for the, so our <laughs> listening audience can hear it, get the full <laughs> gestalt? I have no doubt I'll be up there, and I'll be talked about like Edelman is... Like Welker was, like Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley, Switzer said in an Instagram live video with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I like it. I like the fact he's yeah, hungry.
0: I love it. I love it. He's best shredded, shape of his life. Well, he he's yeah. probably right because there's a picture of him. He looks absolutely shredded. Um, listen, we've all soured on Ryan Switzer. Not his personality. He's a great, obviously a great guy. I get very annoyed at the heavy hate directed towards him. On the internet. It is a little ridiculous to insinuate, oh, yeah, I guess it was Ryan Switzer's fault that we weren't (laughs) good last year. But I do understand where some of the hate comes from because it does sort of seem like he's buddies with Ben and that's why he's on the team. Uh, And it was a little ridiculous. Hey, you and I were calling for Deontay Johnson to return punts last year, right? Like that needed to happen early. But that's a Steelers thing. They always are late to pull the trigger on a guy back there to return punts. Uh, at least in recent years since A.B. and, and uh, Sanders did it. So that's not necessarily an indictment on him. And people also forget that he was very good for the Steelers his first year. I mean, he was like a f- 10, 15 yards every punt return. Not a guy who was going to house one, but we hadn't had a guy since you know be able to catch the ball consistently since A.B. Last year he had an ankle injury the whole year, and it was noticeable how incredibly slow Ryan Switzer was. I just think the receiver room is a little bit too crowded for a guy like him with all the athletic freaks that are in there right now. So I'd be surprised if he made the team this year. But people shouldn't act like he just sucks because he did some good things with Ben and he did some good things in the return game his first year. It just sort of seems like we don't need you to return anymore that Deontay's here. Although I don't know if you're going to want your future number one receiver returning the kicks like that. But it worked pretty damn well with our last number one with AB. Um,
1: so the yeah, Steelers don't care about that. The Steelers do not care about putting their number one receiver out there to receive punts. I mean, they, they showed that. They demonstrated it with AB.
0: Right. The question is but who, who would take him out? But you're, but you're right. They did put him there. They didn't mind for a while. And then they tried to take him out. And Eli, who, by the way, I don't know why everyone thinks Eli Rogers is a good punt returner. He is not. He fumbles the ball half the time he gets there. doesn't catch it clean. He has some moves in the open field. I love Eli. I'd rather have him in the slot. But either way, you are right. They did end up being like, okay, screw it. A.B.'s going back there.
1: Well, Brown is in the, in the news for a different reason. Boo. And his long game is uh, yielding some results. So the NFL has made a suspension decision. He is out for eight games, if and when he returns. I'm not sure if he's totally out of jeopardy. That's sort of his, that, That's the final ruling or there are other hurdles to clear. Do you? I think that's
0: it. It's eight-game suspension.
1: They really did blackball
0: him, which I have no problem with, of course. Screw this man. But they dragged their heels on on giving a ruling to this guy, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been signed by other teams. Uh, You know, there's also like a a little personality issue with him. I don't know. But uh, in addition to that personality issue teams didn't know how much is this guy going to be suspended for what's the deal is he going to jail is he mentally sane Um, and now they have given him the ruling and lamar jackson is campaigning hard to get him to play with him and this thought keeps me up at night this is very intriguing for nfl fans this is a living waking nightmare for steelers fans as such as myself some of you might not mind i mind i mind a lot this is not cool If he went to the Ravens, I can't express the level of of terror. Uh, In addition to the fact that that is the one uh, one missing piece for the Ravens team, they are stacked at every single solitary position except for receiver. And then if you put him there, they'd go from okay to great because that would open it up for his cousin, Hollywood Brown, and, yeah, so on and so forth. Although it's an interesting question because... On one hand, the Ravens don't seem like they would take him because they're such a stable franchise. They really are like Steelers in Baltimore where they wouldn't really take a risk on a crazy character guy like that. The Ravens are awesome about signing veteran players who have an edge to them, which actually may be a a check mark in the positive column for them signing AB. This is sort of a move that they would make. Uh, They usually don't sign the superstars, but you know whether it's the Anquan Boldens or the... um, Earl Thomas, Steve Smith. They signed these guys with an edge to them later in their careers, although nobody was quite the superstar that Brown was. Uh, So that being said, they already have an amazing Super Bowl-caliber team without this guy, and bringing him in could disrupt that, and why would you disrupt that if you don't need him? But by the same token, having that Super Bowl team might be all the reason more to sign him because they know like hey you can come in here and if you play ball by our rules and if you don't upset this thing we're gonna go win a super bowl and you're gonna have a great role here the second you act up we legitimately don't need you so we will cut you so they sort of seem like a prime team to be able to do it and if they do it i don't know what i'll do but it will be something drastic i promise you
1: i think it's too cute by half to bring him in I mean, there's more of a chance that he's going to go off his rocker. I mean, especially if part of him going to Baltimore involves sort of revenge against the Steelers. Really? That's, take, that's taking your eyes off the ball. Hey, so um, did you ever hear of Carlton Hasselrig? Do you remember no. him? No, 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 no. I don't, but so I saw Carl, the news. Carlton Hasselrig House passed away July 22nd at the age of 54. I have a small connection with him because he went to the university— of Pittsburgh at Johnstown, as I did for my final two years of college. Woo! Although he came a little bit after I did, in 1989, Hasselrig was a 12th round pick by the Steelers, having never played college football. So Carlton played football in high school, but was a known—I mean, he was a wrestler of sorts. But uh, they didn't have a team, so he didn't really have a way to demonstrate how good he was. Mm. They eventually his high school eventually petitioned the PIA, which is the jurisdictional body in Pennsylvania for sure, high course. school sports they let them have a one-man team and he went 10-0 and his senior year he uh was going to play he did play a little football at Lockhaven I think it hurt his knee and then he ended up at going back home to Johnstown and he played uh he went to Johnstown got recruited for wrestling his overall career record at Johnstown 143 two and one Mm, Most decorated athlete in Pitt Johnstown history. And you might not think that's a big deal, given that Pitt Johnstown or UPJ, Mountain Lions, Roar, Roar, roar. is a Division II school. He won six NCAA National Wrestling Championships. Ask yourself how that's done in a four-year period. (laughs) Time machine? So he came in third in his freshman year in Division II. In in his sophomore year, he won the Division Two uh, wrestling championship. And at that time, if you won that championship, you ascended to the Division One tournament, I like which Champions he won. Champions League for sophomore, yeah. junior, and senior years. Eventually, so he won six championships. Sophomore sophomore through senior in both Division I and Division II. They actually passed a rule which they call the Hasselrig rule, which bars small schools from the NCAA Division I championships. Because Whack. they said it gave the Division II schools an advantage that they could they could participate in two mm-hmm. tournaments. Pretty bogus. Well, how does a guy who played some high school football matriculate to the NFL? His college wrestling coach knew somebody who arranged a pro day, and a bunch of teams came. All of them said they would uh, consider him as a free agent. The Steelers are the only ones who committed to drafting him, which they did in the twelfth round. He earned a spot on the practice squad in his first year, and then the, and then he made the team in his second year, and he was a starter by his third year, and he was selected for the Pro Bowl in his fourth year. So he played five years with the Steelers. Uh, I think he played. One other year for another team. He had some drug and alcohol problems, which sort of sidelined him. But you know, he got his life back in order. He still coached football in the Johnstown region. It's a it's a sad day because even though he came after I did, his father had set up wrestling. So UPJ wrestling is you know na- a national program. So mm-hmm. I already knew of it, and, and I obviously saw his name as an alumnus of UPJ. So sad day. Pretty cool story. It begs the question: Who are the best NFL players to play having not played college football. Can you think of any at all? Antonio Gates. Regardless of who's the best.
0: Antonio Gates and Jimmy Graham didn't play, I believe. Right? Uh, Great tight ends who played college basketball. I could be wrong about one of them. One of them might have played a little bit, but I believe both of them didn't play, which is insane because they're like two of the best tight ends ever.
1: I found a list that says uh, that has a top five. The number one player is Ray Seals. Do you remember Ray it's Seals? Is he a punter? No, he's a former oh, stealer. Dealer.
0: He's a stealer. Uh, yeah, Ray Guy. Don't tell me I was mixing him up with Ray right Guy. That's pathetic. Wow, oh, shoot, the steel man here. ought to find the diamonds in the rough.
1: And there was another guy who you probably won't. Guys of my vintage might remember somebody named. Ronaldo Nehemiah. That's where I knew that name from. I'm sorry, fans.
0: And then Ronaldo Nehemiah. That's an amazing name. It sounds like an exotic flower or salamander.
1: He was an exotic runner. He was an Olympic caliber. I think he gold, got gold medals uh, as a sprinter. And the 49ers grabbed him. Uh, didn't really pan out. I think he was dangerous only because you had to watch him. But he did play, I think, three years for the 49ers. But there's and- a, there were actually more players who uh, didn't go to college, and I think a lot of them kind of went through sort of minor league football and like hung in there for a few years until they finally made it. That's wild. So that's your trivia for today. That's so, awesome. Training camp starts this week. The door is open. We'll hopefully have some more stories.
0: And then, Anything hopefully from we'll you? Have a video? Hopefully we'll get a video of Benny slinging the football at 1,000 miles per hour through the midnight sky.
1: Visit the website SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
0: Don't search. Match.